Joel Rafidi and Erasmus Stylianesis. Have I butchered that? <laughs> uh, still, Erasmus Stylianesis. You got the first part. That's right. okay, man. I'll, I'll take that. I'll just say you go next time or something like that, and we'll carry on. <laughs> so you you guys met on the. Um, I believe you, after doing a bit of research, as you do, you did the um, Unslave podcast together do you want to talk about how you guys met i feel sure, like man. i always i always say it, but joel if you want to tell I'll break story. it down yeah you break, break it, down. it down for you yeah i guess we're both long-time listeners of of unslaved fans of michael seria and david whitehead um last year i was listening to to unslaved and Erasmus was on there with his wife sophie talking about um somatic intelligence and awakening somatic intelligence and there were, there were two episodes, they did two episodes and some that really resonated with me and helped me on my journey of reconnecting with my body, understanding the body as the shadow, um, grounding more. And I simply reached out to your Erasmus on Instagram and I told him I appreciated the discussion. And we basically just clicked straight away. Um, we had a, had a couple of chats and then we jumped on a Zoom call and we we're just simply like, we should do a podcast together. So we did a podcast together. At the time, um, I was already a member of Michael Tessarian's podcast, Mystery School. So there was that connection as well. And then um, we had David Whitehead on our podcast and he invited us to be joint guests on Unslaved. And basically, man, it's been, it's been happy ever after for, for our podcast. And that's that's how we met, yeah. Nice, man. So it is here for the truth is the podcast for everybody listening. Um, yep. Is, is that simply a podcast or is it like a platform that's being built out? What are you actually planning to do with it? Yeah, well, it's it's a podcast at the moment. It started as a podcast. Um, we intend for it to be a platform that serves multiple purposes. We obviously want to create as many resources as possible to make the truth as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. Um, but at the same time, our plan is to is to integrate that and build courses based on the podcast as well and offer people deeper ways to understand the knowledge, real usable knowledge from the masters of the past to actually break free themselves, you know, because I feel like this is obviously something that, 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 that that's, that's missing and something that we can eventually offer. So we're actually building that out together at the moment. Um, basically it's helping people understand the nature of collectivism, you know, and the different ways in which it programs one, even you mean through, through media, through new age programming, through the rest of it. And how ultimately I believe that is the matrix, you know, that, that underlying collectivist program and how people can then from there to go and develop self-esteem and step more into being an individual and live life on their terms. And that's basically, you know I mean, the, the, the shared message that we both connected upon and that's what we want to really build out now. I don't think I could even add anything to that. It's perfect. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, do you know what? I, I, I'm seeing a lot of people now. Um, you mentioned a lot of words there that I'd like to pick up on, but I'm seeing a lot of people sort of falling um, into the same line of thinking in the sense that we need uh a tribe that people are now resonating with because everything that they thought they were just two years ago, mm-hmm. they're not anymore. And the world isn't making sense to them anymore. Like it was only two years ago, you know? 
So I think uh, what you're building there and very similar to what I've done um, on my website, where I've done articles and podcasts and videos and all this other stuff. Um, I'm looking to build like a, it's called Project Sovereign. The podcast is called Project Sovereign, like a sovereign network of people where people can sort of interact with, between each other and they can take courses. They can even upload their own courses and stuff like that, where the content is, is for a certain resonance of tribe, you know, and I think that's been missing through collectivist ideology and through, um, through the centralized power structures that aren't even hidden anymore. Well, obviously there's some, but they're not really hidden if you do and just a, 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 read a couple of books. It's only laziness at this point that's stopping people from, you know, and, and the, the unwillingness to, to leave their own ignorance. So that's uh, very honorable gentlemen. I think um, I'd be very interested in, in knowing a bit more about that. Can, can you talk a little bit about your personal journeys? So maybe uh, Joel, just tell us like, Usually, like a, we, we hit a rock yeah. bottom, don't we? Or we something triggers yeah. us. You know what I'm saying? Is that what happened to you? Yeah, to me, there's definitely two critical points which I can I can look back to upon my journey. So, um, for as long as I can remember, when I started having, I guess you mean individual passions, individual desires, I wanted to be a musician. Originally, I was, I was a hip-hop artist. I make conscious hip-hop music. And this is what I wanted to do for a living as a, as a, as a teenager and into my early 20s. Um, so I was, I was putting music out there. I made an album. Um, I picked up a lot of steam, a lot of progress. I was on national television. I was on the mainstream media, mainstream media radio stations here in Australia. My songs were being played. I was doing performances. But things just didn't really eventuate um, the way that that... That, that teenager at the time hoped they would, you know, at the same time, my first major relationship ended and you're right. That's where the first rock bottom came for me. There was a bit of a dark night of a soul, which, which I guess I encountered. And that's when I really experienced my first major shift of consciousness. And I wouldn't say, um, it was necessarily where I am now because it's not whatsoever. The, at that point in time, the ideas, the authors and the philosophies that were coming to me, one, I guess, could kind of now grasp as new age. I was into the Eckhart Tolle's, the power of now, I was into the Wayne Dyer's. I was, you mean, into the, into the Tao Te Ching, the Bhagavad Gita. I was going down very much so that path and the no mind path, you know, the resist nothing, accept everything kind of ideology. And that served me for a while. Um, I could, I felt like I lived in a state of bliss for quite a long time. For the first time, something shifted and I was like, oh, okay, I don't mind reality. You know what I mean? I don't mind the mundaneness of reality, of, of reality, things which I would have so much angst and anguish about doing all of a sudden I enjoyed, whether it's emptying a dishwasher or taking the garbage out. I had this deeper connection now with, with, with life. And I thought I had all the answers. I thought I was enlightened. I thought, you know what I mean? Wow, this is what everyone seeks to experience. And then... A period of time went on, I got married, I had kids, and I realized that this ideology of simply living in the present, ignoring the past and not considering the future just wasn't really realistic. Um, and it led for me to begin to cast a shadow, right? Which ultimately, eventually I had to deal with. And because uh, I realized I began to lie to myself and justify that this works and that this, this you know I mean, this, this is reasonable and rational when it was ultimately far from it. So little fires began to crop up, you know, the little, 
little shadow peek, peeks his head and the little disturbances, little uncomfortabilities, the little inner voice saying something's got to shift, something's got to change. My health began to wane. I began to damage my relationships. So I had a good, long, hard look in the mirror. And um, basically this is when the second critical point began and I would call it my shadow path. And I really began to question my actions. I began to question the, the little white lies that I had sowed across my life from a, from, from a boy, the little things that I did to justify this image of, of myself. And I began to get really real and honest with myself. Um, and uh, yeah, that that's ultimately what really led me to unslave the work of Michael Tessieri and understanding the deeper psychological aspects um, understanding the work of Jung, etc., and uh, that has now led me to, into the works of, you know, what I mean, individualism, Ayn Rand, and Nathaniel Brandon, authors of that nature. So, yeah, man, that's basically been my path. On some level, I feel like it's almost like that that new age side shift or trajectory is almost built into the awakening journey at this point somehow, you know. Um, but yeah, man, as best as I can explain it, that's pretty much been it. <laughs> what about you? Uh Simos. You got it, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, Consider him uh, dropping his last name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you don't even say Stilionesis. I might just go by Yerosimos single. That's it. One word. Um, let's see. When it comes to me, okay, how do I uh, distill this down? Well, you know, I've always been a curious person. Always. I don't know if it's my Gemini nature. I don't know for, for the people that are stu students of human design, it's my investigative nature. I've always been curious. That being said, you know, I grew up in suburban New Jersey. My parents are both Greek immigrants. My dad came to this country with nothing and, and worked his butt off and, and uh, built up a business and was able to provide for his family and provide opportunities. So um, I would say I didn't really grow up like I grew up comfortably. And school was school. I, I, I kind of had the ability to memorize and regurgitate. That was something that I always had. So I did well in conventional schooling, but it never, never drove me. And it was not, was, there weren't things that I was really interested in. And then I went away to university. I got to live and, and be outside of the home and go through that process of partying and experimenting with drugs and expanded states of consciousness and that whole thing. And uh, but even then it was like, uni was uni. It wasn't like, oh, I was like really diving into things that, that fired me up and, and lit up my soul. I just did what I had to do. But then what happened was I took savings that I had and I, uh, I backpacked Europe after, after university with my savings by myself. And I brought like 10 books with me and I just, I just started reading and having more time for introspection. Actually, let me rewind. In my teenage years, I read Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. And for me, that, that opened me up to this idea that there's this world that exists beyond the conditioning of your family, society, uh, et cetera. Like here's this person who's this you know, royal prince and he's like, fuck that shit. I'm gonna you know, escape out from the, the castle walls or whatever that is. And I'm gonna go on this walkabout. I'm gonna go on this journey to discover what life's about, discover who I am. And so that seed was planted in me and I was always like, okay, cool. Like, what is there to explore? Who the hell am I? But, you know, I grew up like a mama's boy in some degree. I grew up as a, like to be raised to be a people pleaser, like to care what people thought. 
And, you know, I was good at it. You know, it served me in some ways and other ways it didn't. And so to be honest, like after, um, after that traveling, I, uh, ended up doing, I ended up getting this corporate job right after, um, college, uh, working in hotels. I grew up in the restaurant business and I did that for two years wearing a suit and tie every day. It was right past, it was post nine 11. So I worked 2002 to 2004. And while I, well, I learned some great lessons there because I was this 23 year old managing like 20, 30 people that were all older than me. I felt like my soul was getting sucked. You know, I was just like, this is not, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I'm much more creative and imaginative and dynamic. And so I, uh, I just said, fuck it. And the summer of the Olympics, 2004 in Greece mm-hmm. were there. Um, and so I packed a suitcase full of books. I went to my parents Uh, My parents have a little spot in Greece and all I did was like read books and just read and read and like question things and be like, Oh man, what the fuck do I want to do with my life? Um, I've always been a a fan of cinema, a good cinema that is and and performance and acting. And I had this dream that I wanted to, to be an actor. And so I said, again, like there's like multiple fuck it's that were part of my life where I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just go down this path. Something feels off call that intuition, call that following your gut. It's kind of been the story of my life where I'm on a path and something's off and I make a choice. I make a choice. I make a choice. Uh, I don't really know what that's going to lead to. And so, yeah, I got back from Greece, 2004. And I began, I would say like my more alternative journey. And I got into an acting class and my first mentor was trained by psychologists and he did a lot of work that was really unconventional compared to your more uh, traditional acting training. And it was all about looking at you as an individual and how do you come to like, what blocks and inhibitions do you come to your acting class with as a human? And then realize, Hey, if you want to represent life, represent these characters, you have to expand your view of yourself. You have to expand um, your consciousness and embrace repressed aspects of yourself. So we would do all these crazy ass exercises to see where we were blocked. And, um, and it, it, it totally like shook me out of my people pleaser. Like I realized that that, pe- that part of me served me in certain aspects, but yet on the other side, there was this goal that I, that I was missing. And so how could I integrate more of who I was to bring more balance? So I went on that path for a few years and, um, yeah, realized I didn't really want to continue with it at that time. And I, uh, I got really into nutrition and holistic nutrition. So I started studying nutrition and, and then really started to, again, realize while my initial training was psychological based and spiritual based, like Joel said, like re- reading these more new age books, when I got into nutrition, I started realizing how different things, imp- like how my body, how my psyche was impacted by like the foods I ate. And I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. You know, and I did an experiment. So I grew up in a restaurant business, like I said, and me and my homie, one of my friends, we went back to my dad's restaurant. It was a 24 hour New Jersey style diner. If you know what that is. Okay. So I went back and I was like, listen, for three days, I'm going to eat the most just junk, just fucked up food. I'm just going to eat it. I want to see what happens. So I just, the 24 seven, I was just stuffing myself with like all this different food that, you know, I wouldn't really eat now. I shit you not. Three days later, I went back into New York city 
because I grew up like 45 minutes outside of New York. And I was, I would have labeled myself depressed that night. I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? What's the point in living? This sucks. I had broken up with a girlfriend seven months earlier and I found myself creeping her page on, on, on my space, you know? So I was like, my inner child was like, like wanting that like nurturance and just being to be taken care of. I was like, this shit is trippy. So anyways, to make a long story short, um, I ended up um, in 2008, uh, while I was going through this process and acting as well, I had gotten a bartending job in Manhattan and I, uh, I took my savings from that job. And, and I just was like, I'm going to travel for a year because when I studied in college, I studied abroad in Australia and I met all these Aussies and people from the UK that were like, yeah, I've been traveling for like two years. I've been traveling for a year. I'm like, what? That's a thing. You can do that. Cause in the U S it's not like the gap year traveling. That's not really a thing. So I had that seed planted that one day I want to do that. And so 2008 was the year I took my savings and I just backpacked around the globe. I started driving around the USA and Canada by myself for a couple months. And then I backpacked around the globe. I, uh, Europe, Eastern Europe, Central America. Uh, then I had a death in my family. My eldest brother passed away. So I, I, um, I went back home to spend with my family. And then I continued my travels to South America for a couple months. And then I uh, came back to the States. Anyways. After that, I was in New York City for a few years. I was acting again. I was like, listen, if I'm going to really act, I got to go out to Hollywood. I got to go to L.A. And so I flew out to Los Angeles. Actually, no, I drove out to Los Angeles with my brother. We did a cross-country trip and, you know, settled in. But then I realized I went through my dark night of the soul. I went to a whole new place. I had no, like, I didn't really have any friends. My family wasn't there. Financial security wasn't there. And I realized that a lot of my identity to some degree was also built up on what other people thought of me, you know? So I had this external like self-esteem, like, oh, well, people thought I was, you know, a good person or a good actor or a good worker. And I was like, oh, I have value. I have value. And when I was, when I came to LA and also New York city kind of has a way to distract you. There's always something going on, but in Los Angeles, it's more spread out. It's different. And so I didn't have that, those band-aids that I, that I had in the past. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just kind of got to a real deep place. It's like, who the fuck am I? Like, what's going on? I got into a couple of short-term relationships that I probably wouldn't have gotten into. And for the first time, someone ended a relationship like that I didn't have control over and it, it rocked me to my core, mm. you know, it rocked me. And, and like, like I guess Joel said, and, that brought me to a whole nother thing. Plus I was acting for a little bit, but then I realized the industry was, eh, I didn't really, it didn't, the business side of it didn't align. So make a long, long, long story, even shorter. Uh, shortly after I went through that breakup, I met a mentor of mine who was an ex Navy SEAL who was trained in traditional Chinese medicine and different body work healing modalities. And he took me under his wing and taught me some cool stuff. Uh, my wife also worked with him and trained with him. And so, I mean, she wasn't my wife at that time. And, um, and I went through a deep, deep healing journey through the body, 
through breaking down the armoring, through getting that blood and that lymph flowing to bringing up repressed emotions. I mean, there were times where I was in fetal position after being worked on, like weeping and heaving with snot coming out of my nose for 20, 30 minutes with no re no knowledge of, of like why. Like there was no story attached to it. It was just this bioenergetic process that was happening. And it felt like a rebirth. So, you know, that kind of led me to continuing deeper with this work and and studying other things a lot of self-education and then it uh you know i got married which was a which definitely was a rite of passage someone who was scared shitless of commitment and um yeah and then it led me to my brother right here joel and here we are nice you know and i want to give a shout out to to like unslaved because you know i remember I, I i came across michael years ago but then forgot about it but then when unslaved was launched i was just like yo i'm in and so he really he really him and the people that he brings on there uh, i know you've been on the show as well like really um planted new seeds of knowledge and and new directions to go in mm. and more fuel for introspection which i think is just that's been one of the biggest things for my life is to be like have time with myself and to think about who I am and why I think the way I do and why I believe what I do and to kind of break that down. Mm. I was really lucky with Michael Tazer in that. It was like one of the first, you know, and you mentioned Joel about the, like, the new age stage. Uh, I do agree that that's sort of something that goes on. Um, whether it chooses you or you choose it, I don't know. But Michael Tazerian was like, uh, he come along very early on. So I got sort of snapped out of that stuff quicker than probably the average person does. You know, that you talk about the Gita. I remember I was a, a professional sportsman and a, a footballer over here, and I, I had to stop playing more or less overnight. And um, and within a few weeks, I was reading the Gita, and, and I'd never picked anything up before. And it was a very strange experience that it was within a month, my whole world had completely tipped on its head by just reading a couple of books, Eckhart Tolle, as you mentioned, and, and those type of, yep. how would you pull it, you know, like um, maybe the non-duality type, uh, mm -hmm. you know, yep. and and which, you know, there is definitely a place for that, but I think you've got to earn your stripes before you get there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people fall into that new agey stuff. And uh, and I think it's a neurosis that, that people actually get stuck and uh, mm -hmm. they're broke, they're miserable. And they're wondering why on earth isn't anything happening? Why is my life a, a misery? And uh, but they're sitting there meditating until the brain falls off. And it's it's simply in my, in my view, it's just not the that isn't the way to to live an intense and and fierce life. And introspection, as you meant, as you say, there um, is a is a huge thing for me, but. Um, I think we've gone too far the other way, whereby the so-called healing that we talk about is very often that's the main focal point of people's work. And I don't think that should be the focal point. I think that I think we should be more energized to go and create something. I think uh, Nietzsche said something along the lines of, um, I can't remember the exact quote, I'm going to butcher this, but it's something like, don't, don't live to, to to heal, live to create. He said something similar along those lines. And I just thought that that hit me like a fucking 
like a knife because I was doing that. I was like, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. And there was nothing wrong with me other than I was reading these books and the books were making sense, but I couldn't actually get to the point of what the books were telling me to. Yeah. To get to. You know what I'm saying? So that that's sort of what happened with me, that my new age, my new age scene. You guys mention authenticity a lot. I've heard you use that word um, extensively. Uh, what does that mean? Either of you. It's great. That's a great question. I mean, our first two episodes were called Walking the Authentic Path, um, really. And, you know, I think to me, it means making yourself solely responsible for all the consequences of your actions, for making your, yourself responsible for all the decisions that you make along the path for each time that you move and you hit a wall or you step on a rake or whatever it might be, you use yourself, you use your experience, you use your own reason to decide why and to decide what's right to do next without looking to the other to guide your path, without looking to another to, to emulate or to mimic what's right or what's wrong. You use your experience of life to decipher who you really are and what's really authentically you underneath the noise. What is it that I actually want to do? What, it, what, what is the decision that I want to make? What's the experience that I want to have? And it's basically getting underneath the programming of what's given and handed to us as opposed to what's intrinsically ours. And one of the biggest things for authenticity for me was the, the study and the work, which I now work with other people in terms of divination. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a member of Michael Cesarean's mystery school. And when I first joined that mystery school, when I first started using the knowledge given to learn, to learn more about myself through these divinatory arts, be it tarot, astrology, numerology, what it might be, I began to get feedback. And the feedback that I got was what I've always actually intrinsically known about myself. Um, so I believe without a doubt that we are all walking, living, breathing zodiacs unto ourselves. We are all unique beyond anything else. We are not the same in, in any manner, shape or form. I think we all have a unique being, unique purpose, unique, unique reason, unique karma, unique destiny as well. And I think it's for me, authenticity is basically tapping into what that is. What's who, who, who are you actually born to be? You know, I mean, you, I'll, I'll, I'll quote Nietzsche as well, you know, and, and Nietzsche says, become who you are do what only you can do become the master and the sculptor of yourself. And I full heartedly believe that there is something that only you can do. that only I can do that only Alex can do that only Erasmus can do, which we are intrinsically here to do and fulfill on some reason. And that's the overarching hero's journey and tapping into how we can connect to that path, that, that experience that's underlying all of this, you know, and to remain connected to that, that's authentic and that's unique to each of us. And that's basically the way I live my life is how can I, how can I live my full unique potential, which is unlike anyone else's. So, yeah. Yeah, man. I, um, I agree with so much of what you said and something I, I bring up often to people, which again relates to what Joel said is 
if you look around you, every single thing has the purpose. You know, I have a cell phone here. It serves a purpose. I have a mug. It serves a purpose. Microphone serves a purpose. My desk serves a purpose. This beanie serves a purpose. And so I really believe, again, like every human serves a purpose. So how can you uh, discover what that purpose is? You know, what, what's, what's your own specific soul blueprint, genetic blueprint, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and fortunately, there are tools and ideologies and things out there to support a person to do that. And, and I think this is where I, I, I find value in healing is that it can support a person to peel away those layers of conditioning that don't serve their purpose. You know, potentially mom, dad wants you to do something. Society wants you to do something that goes away from who you're actually meant to be. I'm also a student of human design. I give human design readings. I think it's a valuable tool to understand the unique nature of who you are, how to make decisions that are unique for you. What's your energy like that's unique for you. You know, there's so many different elements to that. And so again, how do you decondition, you know, how do you decondition from the matrix from mom, dad, school, and that's the process to doing that. And I think it's an ongoing process. I'm, I, it's a, I'm not sitting here saying I am now an authentic individual. You know, I, I think I'm more authentic than I was a year ago. I'm more authentic than I was 10 years ago. You know, like I don't say I'm awake. Like I'm on an awakening journey. I'm on an awakening process. Like I guarantee you the moment before I go to whatever that place is, when your soul leaves your body, when your heartbeat stops, there's going to be a moment of awareness to go, Oh fuck shit. I didn't know about this. You know, I'm more aware now than I was the moment before. So it's something we hear in the truth community often. And I get caught up in it too. I was like, yo, these motherfuckers are asleep, you know? But again, like they're, they're asleep to a certain degree. It's, it's you know, it's a, there's a process of being dormant. There's a le there's levels to it. Like, you know, so I check myself whenever I'm like, oh, I'm awake. Like I'm, I, I think, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm not like, oh, what does that mean? I'm enlightened. I'm awake. This is part of what I think you were saying before about, you know, what the new age does. They keep throwing that term around and you can be enlightened, enlightened, enlightened. What's that? You know, I had teachers of mine in the past who played a part in my awakening journey. There's a psychologist. And I remember I was at a workshop with him. Um, you know, he died last year at 93 years old. Shout out to Dr. Hal Stone. And, you know, he talked about this idea of enlightenment and that it's really this, this process of dancing between us opposites, you know, and that the human psyche, there's a compensatory mechanism to it. You override identify with something, you repress something else. So I like the dance between opposites. You know, I like what that is like, I'm aware of the darker elements that are within me. I don't push them away. I, I go, oh, that's interesting. Oh, you just had that thought. That's wow. Where does that come from? What you know what I mean? So I feel like being authentic is is a process of unfolding, and um, it happens over time. And I don't think there's a place to get to. Um, I think, but with authenticity, you have to change the gaze from externally only. You have to bring it inwards. There has to be that. And of course, there's an interplay between out and in, out and in. But really, like, if you're just living that life of just going after the next, like, uh, the next thing that's going to, like, feed you or satisfy some, mm -hmm. some, like, void within you, you know, drugs, sex, porn, sc excessive scrolling, 
you know, even excessive learning. Like, I don't know enough. I don't know yeah. enough. I got to keep learning. I've you had know? that one. That's yeah. where that, yeah, me too. And that's where it goes into what you said about creation. Mm. You know, one of my favorite quotes actually from someone who I would consider more new agey, uh, Deepak Chopra, is the most creative act you will ever undertake is the act of creating yourself. And so I like that idea of like, well, I'm a creation, you know, and how am I creating myself? And what am I learning? How am I putting that into action? You know, and I say a few years ago is when I really had my, okay, listen, you, you can't just keep hoarding knowledge and learning and feel like you're filling some vote. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's where action is important as opposed to like, I'm just going to sit around yeah, and visualize a red Ferrari. <laughs> And it shall come to me. That's Rhonda Byrne. That's caused all that. What did you say? Rhonda Byrne. I think oh, yeah, she's yeah, an Aussie, isn't she? I've never heard of her. I don't the know secret. She's the secret. The secret. Oh, the secret. Oh, is she Aussie? She I could think be. so. It's all your fault. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and then, but this is where I go into like, I don't like to throw the baby out with the bathwater because there's something to say. Like, if you are living, in a space where all you're focusing on is the negative and you have a huge inner critic and you know, you're a pessimist all the time. Like you have to start with, okay, why is that? Because you can throw all these affirmations on you, but if at the core of who you are, you haven't done the work to unwind those elements, you know, whether that's shadow work, working with the body, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's not, it's just going to be another another like uh, mask that you wear. And you see these people that are spiritualists. They're like pseudo-spiritualists. They wear the right clothes and the outfits and, and they meditate and they go to the yoga class and, you know, they have their crystal that they show all their friends. But what what's, you know, getting into the grime and the dirt, you know, that's really important. Yeah, I agree. Human design, uh, how linked to the Gene Keys is that? It is linked. The 64 hexagrams, the 64 gates of um, in human design are correlated to the 64 gene keys. And I don't know too much about gene keys, except Richard, that I know. Richard Rudd, was a, Richard Rudd was a student of Ra, the founder. So yeah. gene keys was actually born out of out of human design. But yeah, oh. it's, it's based on the both, both based on the Chinese divination system, the Ching. There are people out there that like integrate the two. So there's definitely correlation. Oh, yeah. What do you find more effective in, in the work you do? The human design stuff, which I, I, I suppose would be more, would you say, on the mental level in, in comparison to the somata, somata type work? You know, it is mental, but it's somatic too, because, you know, you have, you have a body graph. You know, if, you, if I got your birth information, date, time, and place, and put it into a program, I'd pull up your human design chart. And within that, you have so much different information we have nine centers you know it's, human design integrates western astrology a nine-centered hindu chakra system the chinese Ching, and the kabbalah and two modern sciences so when you look at your at your body graph there are different elements that are going to shine a light on things that are even happening in your body you know even just your emotional how you are emotionally so you can bring that emotional life into the body as well so i think it's both obviously you're not like doing actual manual work on your body but I think uh, it, it integrates. It's not just a heady, a heady concept. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. There's ways to, to understand. Joel, do you do that as well? 
Yeah, I integrate human design into my work as well. Um, my my primary knowledge and foundation is um, tarot tarascopic astrology and numerology, which is Michael's work based on the ancient the ancients and the way that the ancients conducted astrology. You know, what I mean, being the inner zodiac as opposed to the outer. Um, but human design definitely definitely correlates. That all, all these arts can be used symbiotically and they do echo each other on some level they're all kind of speaking the same thing in different language and there's there's and there's understanding to be grasped from all of them for for, for a person um so yeah i do use it yeah you know, just, think, go on buddy go on no i was saying like and i think what i appreciate about this because at the end of the day it's not like you need this stuff to know yourself there are people who have never known human design and never known astrology and they've lived lives with you know fulfillment and they've created and and they've done well you know it's a tool um but it's a tool that i think especially is even more i think it's important now because we live in this this matrix that is bombarding everyone through media i mean you know 150 years ago media wasn't what it was you know i think people had more time to reflect and introspect now i feel like people's attention are is, is taking up way much way more so i think there's more opportunity for conformity and so i think these are tools that can allow you to get out of the compare and contrast game which is huge with social media because you know you see someone who's got a hundred thousand followers and they're posting a certain thing or they're a coach and they have a certain program and you're like well why can't i do that i i should be able to do that not realizing that maybe they have certain gifts or skills or a unique nature that allows them to do something in a certain way and that for you you're supposed to go about something different in, in a different way so forget the compare and contrast game like yes you can be inspired by people around you but what what resonates like tuning into intuition tuning into yourself what is right for you and again that goes back to the authenticity like how, how can you figure out what's right for you and these tools support that process in my opinion yeah i think well in in in, in michael's work around divination in particular we all contain within within us an inner oracle or a living oracle and i think that these arts the primary function of them is to awaken that voice more so for you to understand deeper what that unique voice sounds like for you um that intuition because intuition is different for each of us as well and it speaks to us dif differently and i think these arts are merely uh, a, a peephole into you deeper deeper connecting with that so ultimately you don't need them but they can definitely get you closer and can definitely help you awaken more so your intuitive sense your intuitive nature and what that living oracle is for you nice sounds a bit like the the daemon when you mentioned the oracle there have you heard of the daemon um anthony peak he went on he went on unslaved a while ago it was a few years ago now i i i think i remember that 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 talk i don't remember his name for some reason but the daemon i remember them talking about that so but i have no recollection but yeah, he, his theory is that um, that oracle mm -hmm. intuitive sense is actually like a, let's call it a higher mind for what people might be able to grasp. And that you keep living the same life until that higher mind has been expanded to the degree that the lower mind has been subdued and then off you go, whatever you believe on the next life or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so when you talk about intuition, now, in my opinion, the authenticity question, that is, that is it, living completely to intuition 
and obviously rational, logical, you know, not, not going out there and causing mayhem, pure uh, anarchism in, in, in the negative sense, but um, that, that's what it is for me fundamentally. Um, that's how I tend to, tend to uh, when I work with people, that's generally the end goal is to just live completely with intuition. Um, yeah, let's talk about uh, individuation, uh, collectivism, as you mentioned at the beginning, Joel. Yeah. The world, uh, as we said off camera, has gone through hell of change the last couple of years. Um, do you think what's going on is, let's call it the end game, or do you think it's just another process that we're going through, civilizations rise and fall, and this is merely another example of that cycle? So it's, it's a great question, man. And it's one that I've pondered myself, you know, and it's kind of difficult to gauge while you're in it because I'm sure while each civilization went through something like this, they all thought potentially that it was the end game on some level, you know? Um, so from a, from a rational perspective, my rational mind says that this is simply, you know what I mean? Uh, a duplication of, of a tyranny that is, that is, that has tried to rise many times in the past. Um, and eventually it will collapse. It will have its fall. It will have its end and reason will win in the end. But then at the same time, it's difficult because you look at it from the broader perspective where, I mean, some of us who have been into these conspiracies for a long time, agenda 21, whatnot, kind of everything that was written was planned is kind of now being enacted. And so if you take it from that level then we kind of know what the next steps are in terms of the end goal potentially being transhumanism right i think the overarching agenda is to disconnect you from your from your humanity on some level right is it's, it's 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 ultimately an anti-life force um and it's to invert true morality natural morality it's it's to make you so disembodied and disconnected from your true nature that you have to look to to the whoever the whoever's dictating the rules of the group to provide you with what's right for you and this is where the collectivist programming and indoctrination is actually on steroids at the moment is because people are so disconnected from their morality they're so disconnected from their humanity that now it's so easy for some petty tyrant to tell them what's right for them, even if that means, you know what I mean, penetrating themselves three times over a virus that's never actually been proven to exist. Um, from my current perspective, from where, where I'm at, from where I'm at now, I do believe that this has an end. I don't think it's the ultimate end game. I think, um, you know what I mean, we, we live we, in, a, in a creative universe that, on some level is always balanced out. I think what we're experiencing now is a reconciliation of, you know, I mean, on, on, on a collective level, the collective shadow that was ignored, the collective shadow that was, re that was repressed, the responsibility that we refuse to take for ourselves. And I think now we're receiving the lesson equivalence to awaken people from their slumber based on how deeply asleep they were. This is what we're receiving now. This is the cataclysmic event of a shadow being ignored. You know, that's the way that I see it, really. Chris, anything to add? <laughs> I don't really have anything to add to that right now. No. no. I, I, I think, I think it's, it's a collective dark night of the soul. Like, 
I, I think things are always uh, changing. Yeah. And but, like, like you said, things have been really, really, really kind of uh, fossilized in some degree, you know, and it's just a discover a discovery process. Now I'm also an optimist by nature. Uh, and at the same time, I don't shy away from the dark shit so I can get into the doom and gloom stuff. And it, and it might, it might get to that. And it's already happening to some degree, but it might get even worse. But I do believe as individuals, we have the choice, you know, what are we going to create? I was having this conversation before, like they're here in the U S there are people who are, who are allowing themselves to be coerced. Now, again, every, everyone's situation is different, but there's, they're like, Oh, well, I got to do this for my job or I got to do it because I need to travel or I got to do it because of this. And yet, or I got to do it because my kids got to go to school. And yet there are some people who are like, well, fuck that. You know, we're going to create a homeschool pod. Or I just talked to a, a friend of mine recently who got fired from his job and then someone else was getting fired. And so what they did was they got fired. They, they got everybody else that was on the same page as them. They created their own company immediately. Nice. And then they went back and they got hired by the country by the company that was contracting them out through the company that was requiring the thing. So they got rehired when they created their own company. So it's like, I think it's up to each individual to decide like, what are they willing to do? And there is the bifurcation happening on some level. Um, I don't think like all of a sudden all these jazz are going to go away or, or this, this technology is going to disappear and we're going to, we're going to be like, you know, making fires out in the woods and the whole world's going to, you know, jump on board with that. But there's a process. I don't under, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's happening now. And I'm curious to see. And some people position themselves to, to be in a space to take advantage of what's happening. And other people haven't. And if you haven't, you're going to face, I think, a deeper um, internal I guess reconciliation or uh, a individual dark night of the soul, like you're going to come face to face with some shit that you were ignoring. So that's yeah, what I got to there's, there's a massive polarity taking place right now. You mean, we talked the, there's the collective and the inauthentic path. Then there's the individual and the authentic path. And basically people have given, been given no choice to stand in the middle at this point in time. And people are either choosing to, to go with Babylon and whatever Babylon dictates, being the, collect, the inauthentic collective brain of, you know what I mean, we're a, we're a group, we're a family, we're the common good, this is what must be done for the family. And there's the people that are saying, I will never again in my life trust the group. I'll never again in my life trust the government. I'll never again in my life trust the media. I've seen too much. How can I possibly outsource one iota of responsibility to these people who are so disconnected so horrendously heinous so inhumane so i'm i will take responsibility i'll be solely responsible for every decision that i make for my life and for my kids and so there's people that are moving now to the most local grassroots community level they're kind of you mean coming back to the foundational level and building out systems from from a place of of a morality that it's more aligned with nature as opposed to the the, the, the collective you know and I, I see it within my communities there's people who are saying no nah, we're done you mean i don't want anything to do with anything that babylon has to offer me anymore whatsoever and so there's people who's been stuck here and there's people that are choosing to walk here and i think that this is the polarity that we're going to continue to see 
be exacerbated more and more as we go down this timeline, you know? I think the, the dualistic split has been created because people have never had to make sense of reality before. Mm-hmm. They've never been forced into the position of sense-making, healthy sense-making. Mm-hmm. So now it's, it's, uh, it's been thrusted upon them. And people who, as you mentioned, are gender 21, gender 30, blah, blah, blah. People who've just even heard of that. They didn't even have to study it. People have heard of it. That'll just pique their interest. And they automatically go down that rabbit hole. But then you end up believing in the Q movement and you fall down this mad conspiracy too far that way. And you have the other ones, in my opinion, in the UK here, at least it's over 60, 70%, in my opinion, from what I'm experiencing over here on the other side of the coin. But I think a lot of it is that these are, I'm not going to say good people. They're nice people. Nice and good are different, aren't they? They're nice people. But I've got close family members who who are, um, you know, assisting in, in what I perceive to be anti-life, anti-human behaviour. And a lot of people who haven't done the self-development work, potentially read the books and, and, and tried to embody that, don't know how to handle it. And I think that's causing the dualistic split. And obviously the media isn't there to, to unite anybody and, and the, the organisations that are pulling this, some of the strings, they're not there to unite anybody. So, um, yeah, I think that, 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 that's my two cents on, on what's causing that. But I think in, in the technology as a whole, um, I don't know if you've listened to... I can't remember the guy's name now, but he used to work for Google and he was oh, talking wow. about the algorithms. I can't remember his name. No. Um, do you know Daniel Schmattenberger? Um, Jamie Wheel, Stealing Fire. We wrote the book Stealing Fire and Recapture the Rapture. Book. Yeah, yeah. So those guys are a bit are, are more like asking why, as human beings, we cannot comprehend things why is tech why are we going to technology and what is technology going to do to an to organic beings how is tech going to uh influence um our behavior moving forward are we going down this technocratic path or is technology at all for good is or is it is it neutral which i suppose that's my 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 take on it or is it purposely being thrown down our throats why are we so spiritually behind technology how does that happen um and these questions come up as as i mentioned those guys names there i I do suggest anyone listening to to check them out um michael tazarian i heard him say a, a couple of years ago that uh uh, I don't know if you've read his book, Atlantis, An Alien Visitation. I'm, re- I'm reading it uh, now, actually. Yeah, and he, he, you probably get it in that book that he mentioned that he he believes the uh, DNA structure of the human was interfered with, and that is the reason why we are so technologically advanced in comparison to our spiritual and mental evolution. And I think that's what I'm seeing now, although we've used we've used uh, vaccines and we've used that type of technology, health technology. In my opinion, that's what's going on. 
and we, you know, we mentioned Babylon there. It, I see it you another six, seven, eight thousand years before that, before we can even start comprehending the structures that are in place. Yeah, it's that's a, my take. <laughs> I got, I got, I got nothing to add to that, man. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a big one to extrapolate, that's for sure. And there's so many different angles that you could take it from. Um, well, yeah, you could go, man. Well, I was going to say, like, like in terms of tech and technology, you, you know, like, is it neutral? Mm. Um, some of it, I think it is. I mean, I have a love annoyance relationship with it because look at us now. You know, I, I would have never connected with you, uh, Alex. I wouldn't have heard of you unslaved. Joel and I would have never connected without technology. And so there's there's beauty to it. And yet at the same time, you know, our social engineers, these architects of control, a lot of these different platforms that have been uh, put into play, they've taken advantage of the, the psychological and spiritual immaturity of humanity and hacking them to, you know, to be a certain way, to do certain things and alter alter them as beings. Because let's, let's be real, this technology that we've had, when you look at social media, you look at Facebook, you look at Instagram, like people are different. I mean, we're different. People can't even like let go of this. Mm. You know, I have times where it's hard for me, you know, like our attention spans aren't what they were. You know, when I was telling you, when I was sharing my story earlier, when I backpacked Europe and I brought those books with me, I'd be able, I'd sit on a bench in some park for seven hours straight and just finish a book just like that. Now it's more challenging. I start reading and then I start thinking about something and then I go, oh, wait, this is a great quote. I should go post it on Instagram. And so I'm, <laughs> I like, I can't just read the book. I'm like, oh, now I'm reading the book. And I'm like, oh, I should take a picture of it. And then I should send it to Joel because then we can talk about it. Or You know what I mean? Like, it's just the whole fabric of, of who we are and how we're interacting with different things has just completely changed. And it's weird, man. And, I, and, and sometimes I think it's for the better. And sometimes I think it's for the worse. Yeah. I mean, something has to be said for intention as well, right? Because obviously, yeah. like anything, things can be used as a means to escape reality. And some things can be used as a means to deeper engage with the reality and with what it is that you want to create. You know, for example, like even, even with weed, someone could smoke a joint as a way to, to escape Right. And someone could smoke a joint as a way to actually ask questions and, and deep and, and dive a bit deeper. And same with technology. People can use technology as an, as an escape mechanism. And some people can use it as a tool to enhance the quality of their life, to enhance yeah. the, the ability to actually bring into fruition what it is that they want to create as creative beings. So it comes down to the hands of the individual of whom it's found itself in, certainly. And I guess how equipped that individual is to, um, to tame the flame, you know, because yeah, it can burn you Well, yeah, it can be used for good. It, it's the habitual versus the intentional, you know? Yeah. And so with everything, if you're doing something every day, if you're doing something four or five hours a day, something's off, you know, yeah. versus, okay, like these two days I'm going to be on my phone or this day I'm going to be on my phone, but it's, it's tricky. And at the same time, you're right, Joel, like, I have to put something to place as an individual and not let me be a slave to this, you know, and, and again, use it in the ways that it supports me. 
and this is this is where the authentic path comes back into it you know because if you look at look at it from a collectivist new age perspective it's like yeah i can just be here to enjoy myself just to be on my phone just to experience just to be at the whim of 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 reality and of and of the universe or as an individual i can understand that as a creative being i have a certain path a purpose that i want to walk and i have these tools around me i have nature i've got the universe i've got the people around me to to use and work with intentionally to carve a path so i think having a path is certainly fundamental to the ways in in technology in, in which technology is going to impact you because if if it's if you're simply considering yourself as a nothing as a nobody amidst an ocean then you're going to be swallowed up by the ocean right whereas um if you consider yourself to be an individual an individual cosmos individual zodiac unto yourself with your own unique path and purpose then you can kind of use these things to propel you and to move to wherever it is that we could be going you know nice nice so the um human body let's talk about that and and how important the you know the the, the health and nutrition and physical aspect of man because all you've got to do is go outside and see how fat everybody is and diabetes is through the roof um i've seen an influx of people at the gym in the last couple of weeks because it's new year new me uh good for them but most of them aren't there are they in another week or so whatever um see i see i have a very holistic view in my opinion of of how i see mankind as the pinnacle of nature at least in this realm that we're in and it seems to me that if if i'm going through a let's say a difficult time if i focus my intent and put my energy onto mastering the body and the movement and and nutrition um if i bless the food i'm eating there's more life force from that and i get more from that than i do talking to coaches and therapists and reading books and all that i get more from movement uh, going through walking nature even or, or something like that than i do from all these other things so i guess the question i'm asking is um i'm assuming you both do a bit of health and nutrition and everything what is your overview and opinion on on the the biology of man uh, what uh, it's a difficult question to ask because it's so big, but what um, biologically do you consider that more important than mental and spiritual health? Because in the new age community in, in particular, they say you're not your body. I'd completely go yeah. against that upside down. I'd turn that on its head. Yeah. I think it's insane to me. I think the idea of transcending the body does not work. Um, and for me, the body is the foundation. Now, whether or not you want to say it has more value versus the other, then you can look at someone who's a physical specimen and is just like, like an Adonis and yet has not done any work to, to, to feed themselves on a different level. You know, who knows? They could be a narcissist. Who knows? They can, they can be utilizing, you know, women to, to, to feel, to fuel the need, like what they didn't get from their mom. You know what I mean? So it's like, I hear what you're saying and I'm such an advocate and I work with the body. 
I, I just think it's the foundation. It's also how do you work with the body? Are you doing it from this place where you're just like going to the gym to, to, to kind of just create more layers of armoring onto your body? Or are you doing it in a way that supports the free flow of bioenergy? Now, again, if, if we're a part of nature, then why would we put anything in us that is unnatural? That's my view. So why would I eat something that comes in a box that was created in a laboratory with ingredients that I can't even read or understand? I have to Google them, you know? So, so I just think the foundation is taking care of your body, you know, in all the ways and eating real food, you know, even like these, I mean, the nutrition world is just another fucking just like, God, like you can't eat meat. You shouldn't eat plants die like people need to chill you know they need to just eat real food and understand that that's that plays a role in your health but being a student of german new medicine germanic healing knowledge which i think is a is a paradigm shattering understanding of what goes on in the body and what really causes health healing and what causes disease and sickness is that like you also need to take care of your psyche you know and so, yes, part of taking care of your psyche too is also, oh, I'm going to go take a walk in nature. Oh, I'm going to work. I'm going to get body work. I'm going to, to do movement practices that supports the flow of energy. You know what I mean? So, but at the same time, like how you respond to your environment and the situations that present themselves is going to impact your body. You know what I mean? So again, again, I'm such a fan of like, the nervous system and healing your nervous system. And like, you are your nervous system. Like if you, if, if all of a sudden someone drops like a, a glass next to you and you're like, Oh yeah. And then that lasts for like three hours and like it ruins your whole day. That's probably something you need to like, take a look at, mm. you know, if, if some, if, if some event is, if, if like you're in traffic and you're spending the next hour complaining and then you're calling up your friend, like, you know, I'm in traffic right now. This fucking sucks. Like, fuck this shit. And then you go to work and you're like, well, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, that's a problem. So again, I think it's like, again, like you said, holistically, how do you view things holistically? Take care of your body. If you take care of your body, you're probably going to be less reactive. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know if that made sense. I just it does 100%. Think. And that's what, that's why I, uh, my perspective and my experience in life is that if you take care of that, the rest sit for me seem to start slotting into place. Whereas I tend to see people flip it on its head and they take less care of the body. I think a lot of the new agey Eastern fatalistic type philosophy, where it's mm -hmm. like, this is agnostic principles where it's just like, forget this world, just go and live in the next one. Um, so there's, leave nature and leave the body and just park that because it's a waste of time. Just focus on the, 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 the mental essence, the psychological essence of, of the man. And I don't buy that. Not at all. Well, I mean, all you have to do is look at Eckhart Tolle. I mean, the dude looks like a troll and is like, Zombie man. He's I know like, he's a good, you know, his body and you know, it's like, doesn't mean he doesn't have some knowledge, but to think that this man has the ultimate truth when like watching him walk through space and time, painful so you mentioned germanic healing there what was yeah. it what was that what did you say it, german new medicine also known as uh germanic healing knowledge mm. it's based off of the work of dr um hammer he was a german md 
who uh, came up with five uh, bi biological laws. And um, it completely, in my opinion, it completely challenges not only the the allopathic model and the you know the biomedical paradigm but it also challenges some alternative things as well as what really causes disease and what is the role of cancer in the body etc but I'll, I'll share some information with you after the call please do yeah, like yeah, yeah. be into it and it um yeah it's really changed it's had an impact on my life too when i first um came came across it about a, a year year and a half ago through my friend dr melissa sell who's She's pretty incredible. We had her on our podcast episode 23, I think it was. Nice. So, yeah. Thanks. Joel. Yeah. I mean, um, it's like from, from understanding the work of, of Reich, right? The, 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 it's, it's a body mind, right? It's a, the, the psyche is not really distinct from the body in any kind of way. And you know I mean, for, some reason in conventional culture that we have we have we've separated the mind and the body you know and most people are just simply living heads and they completely disregard the fact that their body is responsible for the health of their psyche as well and you mentioned like gnostic programming and we can take this back to to religion you know the ultimate underlying program is that you're a born sinner that your body is dirty that divinity is outside of you that value only exists outside of you and so what has this done to the human being now who's constantly seeking that external from them? They've, they've completely disregarded the body. You know, most people, whether they like it or not, unconsciously live in this state where they do believe that the body is a prison that needs to be escaped on some fundamental level. And for me, I know in my process, I spoke about earlier my transition from kind of a new age path to more of a, you mean, a, a grounded individuality kind of path the tipping point was understanding the nature of the body and was reconnecting with my body and was developing grounding practices. And I can even tie this into astrology because it first began really when through, through Michael's astrological system, I realized that my rising sign was actually Taurian. It was Taurus and Taurus is an earth sign. Right. And so what this means for me is that um, my rising sign is the means by which I achieve my destiny so I began to really ground myself in that knowledge. And, I, and through also those two podcasts that I watched of Erasmus, I began to, um, you mean, ask questions to my body, feel into the nature of my body. I developed a Qigong practice um, and I began to really ground myself. And that was more than anything what, what helped and solicited my where, where, where I am now more than anything else was no longer being so heady, no longer feeling the need to, you mean, to, to, to escape from where I am, to think that some kind of utopian future kind of existed in existed down the road when it's simply not the case, you know, we have to deal with the reality and what is, what is more realistic than the body, right? People want to be enlightened, try being human. Being human is, 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 is difficult. And part of being human is having a body, so how can I integrate that um, as best as I can? And so, yeah, that's to me, that's of utmost importance on, on any kind of path is to um, maintain the state of the body and to be connected to the body. You know, yeah, man, I agree with that. And you see even the truth community, you know, we talked about earlier about this obsession with knowledge and it's just mm. like, I just need the information. I need the information. It's all external. And yet, 
you live in a body and yet people don't even know how it works. Our schooling doesn't even talk about it. They don't really talk about how it works, what goes on, like, oh, are you going to feed it proper nutrition, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, again, the, the gaze, even in the, in the truth community, is so external. It's like, well, what are these psychopaths doing and what are what's going on? And, and Bill Gates and, 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 and Soros and all this shit and Agenda 2030, and yet you have a body. Like, what are you doing when you wake up? Do you know that you have a body? Can you feel it? Can you feel the subtle sensations? Oh, when something happens in your life and you get emotional, do you know where that's happening in your body? Can you connect the two? Are you an integrated person? You know, that's, yeah. that's a whole nother level of work. But particularly, particularly when you make the connection from the Rakian sense that the body is the shadow, right? And that mm. our, our wounds, our traumas are actually held cellularly in the body on a bioenergetic level, this bioenergetic field that's meant to be free flowing, which is your intuition, which is your creative sense can actually become stagnant and blocked from the shadow that you're ignoring from what you've repressed. So when you realize that the body is actually the pathway to unlocking all of that as well, and that's just a whole nother paradigm altogether. You know what I mean? Um, and so what happens is we experience a traumatic event and we refuse to, we refuse to feel it at that moment in time as a, some kind of protection mechanism. So the body represses feeling it. And when you can actually allow your body to process all the fucked up shit that you've done and that's been done to you, then, you know what I mean? As, as Jung said, no tree can reach heaven that doesn't have roots in hell. So the roots of the body, obviously. Yeah, and I think it's very subjective in it. I mean, but what is trauma other than the perceived memory of what trauma is, um, if it's conscious? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, someone who grew up in a, in a, in a middle-class family and, I don't know, their mother might have said something like, they might have lied to them one time or something, that could cause severe depression and anxiety for the rest of their life. They have no idea what went on. Um, but you have, when I went to India and you see that the young kids have got absolutely nothing out there with a smile on their face. And um, I'm not saying one's better than the other or anything like that at all. But those guys are going to be completely affected completely differently than, uh, you know, the, the polar opposite of what I've just said, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm sort of just spitting out ideas here of, of, of how subjectively, um, the objective world is being perceived and mm -hmm. yeah. how that fits in the, that with trauma and, and the so-called healing work of, of what you do, you know? You know, I think what you're also talking about something called resilience too. Like some people are just more resilient than others. And if you look at someone who's grown up in an environment and they don't know anything, they don't even know there's a potential for anything else. You know, some of these countries that you've traveled to, that I've traveled to, where the people are are are, are living in you know poverty and yet they have a smile and they're playing. You know, it's 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 really interesting to think about that. Um, and yeah, I mean, trauma, there's an event that happens and then how do you react to it? You know, like just like, an, for instance, like if you think about animals, if you look at like a gazelle being chased by a tiger, you know, that tiger is going to ch chase the gazelle and let's say the gazelle gets away. Now, the animals have this mechanism where, 
okay, the, the threat's not there anymore, but they've built up all this sympathetic energy for, to, to flight, to flee, and yet they get away and then their body starts trembling and their body starts shaking. And so they're able to discharge that and they're able to go on their merry way. And they're not like the, the gazelle's not like, oh, I just had this traumatic experience. It's, it's different, you know, human beings, we have a, you know, neocortex, we have thinking. And so, but we have similar mechanisms that play out. And so often we have an experience and yet we don't trust the body or maybe even someone's being held down. They don't have the ability to like, to shake it or, or they have an idea of oh, showing, you know, weaknesses or vulnerability is a weakness, you know? And so then they don't allow themselves to go through this process. And yet that, that energy still needs to be discharged somehow. Now there's processes and different things people do. There's books, just, you know, whatever. You might even be able to do it just by like tuning into your own body. That being said, this energy needs to move, you know, it needs to be released. If not, it's going to end up causing uh, challenges down the road. Do you guys, have you done work with psychedelics, ayahuasca, things like that? I um, personally, personally I haven't, no. Uh -huh. I, in 2008, when I, when I took the year off and traveled, I went down to Peru and I was in the, in the jungle for, for 10 days by myself um with at a center but there weren't many people there i was actually the only one there for the first few days and it was uh, i did six ceremonies and um i i'm happy i had the experience and i had a couple really powerful moments and then uh that was the last time i i did i did ayahuasca i had i had experimented with psilocybin um several times as well and um like and like other things it's a tool and where are you at from a site, like in a psyche standpoint, you know, who are you working with? I think these tools can, for some people help regulate the nervous system. And for some people it can cause further dysregulation. So, um, another issue I think I have with, I still call it the new age community, but it's just like people that attach to something. And then it's like, oh, I just, I have a, I have my own personal shaman. And then I do ayahuasca like every weekend and, and you have to come to my shaman and you have like, you know, in LA, it's huge here. And I go, okay, well, if it supports a person to be more integrated, more whole, more grounded, um, great. But it could be just another thing that people attach to, to like prove how evolved and, and great they are. Like, oh, I have, have you done that before? You know, like I have it, you know? And yet I think it's a tool. I mean, people have been doing it all around the world and it, and it supports an individual. But I think you can't, some people treat it like it's candy. And I, I go, okay, that's a little... Hmm. irresponsible but that's my thoughts but i'm curious to hear your thoughts yeah well, i um i've done it probably four or five times but there's only in the uk but there's like a there's an underground scene here but obviously good good uh ceremonial spaces and bad ones mm -hmm. um i mean i trust the people that are there interest uh implicitly they're they're really good people um very trained very well in in peru actually uh, and Brazil, and um, the 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 people that you mentioned there, where that they're, they're sort of used as a badge of honor. Uh, I mean, you can sort of pick that up when you're around them, when you're there, you know. But in terms of the the drink itself, um, I just sort of well, when did I go? I first went about six or seven years ago, I think, and um, 
on my own because I didn't want to go with everybody else because I was fearful of other people's energies and their stuff just attaching mm-hmm. itself to me and everything. So I was wary of that. Um, and anyway, the, 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 the league guy turned around to me the one time, it was maybe my second time there on my own, and he said, you need to come and join a group now. So I so, oh, fucking hell. So the next time I went, I, uh, I joined a group and um, completely different experience, to be fair. I'm going, I, I do one a year. So I do one ayahuasca ceremony every year, which is two nights. Um, and I'll probably do that. I mean, I don't know the future, but I'll probably do that uh, until I just don't do it no more. Uh, yeah. See, that seems medicinal, medicinal to me, you know, mm. like not like, oh, I do it every month or, you know, it's, and again, yeah. back to what we said, what Joel said before, intent, intention. What's the intention around it? You know, what's mm. the environment? Where are you at? What do you, what, what do you want to get out of it? You know, as opposed to just doing it to just do it because other people are doing it, you know? I mean, I didn't, I, I knew of a, a spiritual, let's call it, for the lack of a better term, reality. But until I did that, I hadn't experienced it. Mm-hmm. And it was only then I was like, ah, okay. Yeah. 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 Again, the one, the, I think the number one benefit to psychedelics is that it allows someone to look at, connect dots, and experience reality in a different way that I think can have a, a, a huge benefit. You know, I had two moments of my, and two different separate ceremonies that I did when I was in Peru had a huge impact on me, you know? Um, and I will always take that from, from those experiences. And one of them was when I was literally in the most darkest areas of just where I think the human psyche can go. It just took me into this place which I think it was a balancing act for me. Cause again, I, I said, mentioned earlier that I was a little bit more like, yeah, everything's great. Like love, light and positivity. And I feel like the ayahuasca, like just kind of smacked me across the face and went, Erasmus going to show you a different part of life that maybe you're uh, ignoring. And uh, I realized like suffering and pain is temporary. And I, so I was in this experience that was, I just had to focus on each breath each time just to stay just to not want to like get up and like run out screaming you know and then it finally faded and i went oh i mean it, obviously i didn't right away after like an hour and a half of just like what the fuck just happened you know it was just this knowing that like wow pain is temporary and then the other one that really changed my life and my relationship to my parents i think it was my second ceremony i had been in the middle of a of a trip I mean, I've been traveling around the world and I have old school Greek parents, you know, like they're old school. They like worry about me. And meanwhile, I'm off like doing whatever, wherever I am, I'm in South America. They're worrying about me. And I'm like, oh, whatever. I'll call you like maybe once a week. And that's fine. Not really like understanding mm-hmm. from their, their place, what, what they're going through. I'm in my own kind of self-absorbed, like doing my thing. And I remember I was in this, in a ceremony and I thought about my parents and I pictured, I just could see them in their little couch in their room at my home in New Jersey, watching their like Greek television shows. And I just had this moment of connection. And I remember feeling like these two strings shoot out of my heart and tap into my parents' consciousness. And then I was able to feel what it was like to have love for a child. And like to 
feel what my parents were feeling in relation to me in that moment in the journey that I've been going on. And I just like broke down and wept for like, you know, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And so those are the two things that really like stood out for me that I, that I take with me and that, that were impactful. That's empathy. Yeah. yeah. Something vastly missing in the world, unfortunately. Um, let's talk, uh, how long we've been going here? Aaron, 15 minutes or so. Cool. Um, your influences in your life. What, like, who would you consider if you had to like say pick one, who would you go? Yeah. They probably played the biggest influence. You go first, bro. Pick one. That's one. hard. One's Not Michael Tazarian either, because he's come up like six times or somebody else. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's like the easy one. We're fanboys. So we much, can't pick him. That makes it so much harder. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because man. Through, through Michael, there's all these different avenues of information that is supportive. Anyways, Joel, you go. If you have something, bro go for it because i don't i i'm i'm there's i don't have he said just one it's i'll, like I'll, I'll pick one i'll pick one for me you think okay, you go yeah. first so i consider dr david hawkins uh who oh. power versus sports the map of consciousness and everything mm-hmm. now whether you whether you think that the map is flawed or or whether kinesiology isn't a uh, a scientific approach to consciousness research I think even if you don't believe that, you can take so much from everything that he wrote and the way he lived his life and even his videos on YouTube, he's passed away now, but um, that completely changed everything, uh, how, I, how I function in the world here. Yeah. So that, that would be me. You know what I'm going to say? Because it was one of the initial things that really shot me on my path to personal development, my first real acting teacher... Um, he he introduced me to a lot of crazy work to help me like work through inhibitions and um, emotional blocks. Um, and through him, I got introduced to the works of doctors Hal and Sidra Stone. Um, there are two psychologists. Uh, their work was called Voice Dialogue: The Psychology of Selves and the Aware Ego. And also, um, he referred Dr. Carrie Mullis's autobiography. Dancing Naked in the Minefield, which I read in 2005. Mm-hmm. And that um, that took me down a whole rabbit hole of looking into the whole HIV AIDS uh, paradigm and um, and the, the fraud and certain scams associated with that. And not Fauci. So I, I, no, just, yeah, just. yeah, Fauci. No, that's where I first learned about Fau- the Fau- Fauci's shenanigans. Um, so that that man and while while we had a huge falling out and uh, he still owes me four thousand dollars and we haven't been in touch in um several years um i'll never i'll never not give him gratitude and thanks for the the impact he had on my life and even like talking about it now like i'm i'm like i get overwhelmed with just like gratitude and appreciation because there's just you know, I met some of my most amazing friends that are still friends to my to this day through that you know class, and so it it played a huge role in 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 um, my journey and my path. Joe, yeah, you got one. The, one. the one that's coming up for me is my wife. <laughs> that's a cop out, man. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna be like, go, oh, my wife. <laughs> She's probably listening. 
<laughs> definitely the biggest influence. But um, the person that I'm going to mention is Vernon Howard. I don't know if you're familiar with Vernon Howard. Mm. Um, more than anything, it was his work that directed me on a path of right thinking and of actually, you know, I mean, considering the fact that, yeah, maybe I'm responsible for, for the state of my life. And you know I mean maybe my my limited perception, um, or maybe maybe my perception can be limited. Full stop. You know, and it was it was Vernon Howard's work that really more than anything deepened my gaze inwards to me being me being responsible for the state of my life, for the state of my relationships, and for for me to um, I guess open up pathways to you know I mean more of a uh, and uh, a, a cosmic intelligence so you would which i think really is just what's beyond our limited scope of our consciousness at any present moment in time in regards to any present experience so yeah nice. vernon howard wrote uh about like cosmic mystical things didn't he his books yeah. have the titles of cosmic mystical things but yeah. really it's the most grounded realistic oh, okay. esoteric teachings and writings it's so simple yet so profound and basically the end result of every message is saying can't you see yourself here as the problem um mm. and yeah someone that i really recommend people to look into for sure Cool. Let's start wrapping up. Is there anything you'd like to add? Anything you'd like to promote? I know here for the Truth Podcast, have you got Instagrams and things like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, Instagrams at Here for the Truth Podcast. Our website's hereforthetruth.com. Right now, that'll just take you to our link tree, but our website will be launched in the next few days. We've got a merch store there. We've got all our episodes there. Um, and yeah, we're doing an episode once a week and we're really looking forward to having yourself on in, in two weeks time and to flip the mic and to get mm. to get to dive into your journey. Um, yeah, that's it, man. We appreciate you and appreciate you having us on. Well, thanks for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Some of, uh, I was listening to some of your music earlier, bro. It was, uh, I mean, I'm not much of a, a, a rapper type guy. Me, I'm a rock and roller. Like if it isn't a guitar, I sort of just turn it off. Or, yeah. or classical, I listen to classical as well, but if it's not a guitar, to turn it off, man. But I was thinking, well, you know, I need to give this a listen because I've closed myself off to a bit of artwork here, you know. So thanks yeah. for opening my mind up in that sense. Oh, man, thanks thanks for listening. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm a bit conditioned, I think, to put rap alongside, uh, you know, just there's a lot of crap out there, you know. And, uh, for sure, for sure, man. I mean, the 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 foundation of of rap is really poetry, and yeah, it's definitely been subverted from that at the moment. But you mean for me, the, the way the way that my mind works is in flows and in lyrics, and that's mm. simply a, a creative outlet for me to express myself. And that's been you mean a big a, a, a big big pathway for me actually being where I am. Um, so yeah, I mean, as a, with anything, man, intention and the and the way that it's used definitely counts. Yo, bro, Travis Scott is the only rapper I listen to. <laughs> Just kidding, obviously. <laughs> uh, Any of the guy they, that did the, um, when they the all started killing themselves or whatever. Yeah, the Astro. Yeah, the that Astro. was him. That was him. Damn. Right. But yeah, man, really appreciate being on. It's nice to connect. Um, 
I say it all the time. One of the, one of the benefits of what's been going on the last two years is just, you know, just finding your people in a, in a whole new way and connecting with other like-minded people and other creative people and people that are putting really good stuff out in the world, you know? And so I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you and you know, let's just keep rolling. Thank so. you. Likewise. Um, let's talk soon, man. I'll get, have you back on in the future and hopefully here for the truth is, is booming and yeah, man, I'll send you good vibes. All the best. Yeah, have good. a great day. Thanks, Thanks Alex. You, you too. Cheers, man. Later, man. Peace. Bye.